Welcome to episode 162 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Hi-Fi Rush. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob Accord, and today I have four friends with me. The first friend, you know her, you love her. Her name is Flora Marigold. These pigeons are the source of my discontent. <laughs> um, our second friend, um, on for the second time, Adam Gumbert. Hello. I love classical music. Uh, our fourth friend, uh, back for the second time as well, uh, Brendan Groom. I didn't know I needed a fun catchphrase. I, I don't have one. I'm not clever. Play, play more indie games. There it is. Love it. It's a good catchphrase. And for the first time, uh, we have uh, Mr. Michael Heim. Hello. Uh-huh. You know what time it is. About time. I'm on this with you, Jacob. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, today we're talking about Hi-Fi Rush. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we're going to do something that we do for our brand new guests. Um, we're doing the gauntlet, uh, which is a uh, small little segment where we... Uh, ask some questions to our new guests to learn a little bit more about their tastes and what got them into gaming. So, Michael, oh, no. are you ready for the gaming gauntlet? Damn, I didn't, I didn't know uh, what I expected. <laughs> um, oh, I, I got a question for y'all before we get into this. Ooh, is, this a, is this a clean podcast? How clean uh, is this? This is a this is a PG podcast, but okay. if you swear, don't worry. Okay, cool, cool. I, I just. <laughs> I feel like over the, over the years, I've learned to ask that before I get into things because I've been in <laughs> some sticky nice. situations. Uh, but okay, I got you. Yeah. Do you want to explain those sticky situations? Uh, no, because that would <laughs> that would make this go over a PG podcast. <laughs> so, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, well, that's your question. We have questions for you. Yes. Are you ready for them? Yes, I am. What is your early ga- earliest gaming memory? Ooh, earliest gaming memory, uh, playing NBA Jam at my grandma's house in New York. That was the earliest, yeah. Yep. Uh, so what team did you play on NBA Jam? Supersonics. I was a Sonics fan because I liked their colors, and I was a Gary Payton fan. I love, I love, I got into basketball because of video games, and from there it's like, Yo, Gary Payton's my guy, the glove, that full... Because in NBA, his stealing rating was so high. And like when I started playing NBA Live, so I just be swiping fools on the court. And easy money. I tossed the Sean Kemp. Three, easy money. There it is. Do you play it if you ever see it in arcades? I do. Yeah, it, it's uh, if it's in an arcade, I'll post up. Because I, I don't know, I, I love... This, there's still that satisfaction in, you know, jumping 20 feet in the air and slamming that thing. So NBA Jam is, you know, that, that is my earliest... Gaming memory, probably not, maybe not my fondest. Um, I would say probably Super Mario RPG: Legend of the Seven Stars, which I beat like thirty times because it was one of the few games that I had growing up. So, uh, Brendan, also, do you have a physical copy that you're pulling? Oh, right let's, now? Go, let's go! Let's go! For the audio listeners, Brendan Groom is holding up. Oh, that's pristine wow. copy dish. Ooh, the Japanese version too. Yeah, let's go! Oh. It's Famicom. Sicko, wow. real sicko hours. What a treat! <laughs> yeah. Uh what game do you think you've spent the most hours on, Michael? Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Of course. Of course. <laughs> I, pu- I punched in slash playtime on it, which re- reads back to you how long you've been logged on. Uh-huh. So they asked me this on the Kind of Funny Games cast uh, when I was talking about final, my uh, preview for Final Fantasy sixteen. 
And that thing came back and said 268 days. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, days? I think, I think like most of, like almost half that is me idling and yeah. Lim Solo Minsa just chilling. So I don't think I've been pl- actually playing that. But still, I think like I have at least a solid 2,000 plus hours of actually playing that game. So Yeah, because uh, that's 6,400 hours. So Yeah, that is that's a lot of time. <laughs> uh, two more questions. What's your favorite console generation? That's tough. Uh, I would probably, if you ask me, uh, I, so I thought about this more recently, especially in the past year and this year, is I'm leaning towards this current generation just because of how it's been able to capture all the previous generations as well. I think about Metroid, Metroid Prime Remastered is kind of like the thing that flipped me over where it's like, oh, I can have all console generations on this generation. And especially with things like being re-released on the Switch, it kind of changes how I view a lot of those games. But if I were to, probably my still solid answer would be like the PS2, Xbox, GameCube era. Because I think that's like where games started to really find. That was a generation where I think developers kind of figured things out. Where the PS1, N64 generation was still kind of experimental. First time going into like 3D games, fully 3D games. So there was a lot of uh, growing pains and a lot of things that developers learned. Which kind of, and when you go into the PS2 generation, is like the full realization of what those games are, ca- of what games are capable of. Especially in the RPG space, as someone who grew up loving RPGs, who was raised on RPGs, some of the highest highs were in that in that era. Um, uh, then you go into the, the HD era, era was cool, but I think that's when games start to follow trends a lot more closely, which is all good and fine. But I do like the the sort of experimental or the the ability for developers to do to be weird. Like there's a lot of weird PS2 RPGs that I'm just getting around to now, and I'm like, wow, this is kind of forward thinking. It's either forward thinking or it's janky as hell, uh, and both have their charms. <laughs> and I I really love that about that that specific era of games. So you're saying that we would never get Guitar Man or Mr. Mosquito on modern consoles? I don't. Uh, maybe, maybe, but uh, those things, those things were expected back then. So <laughs> it's a little, a little tougher to find those uh, nowadays. Uh, last question for you before we jump into Hi-Fi Rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a debate on this podcast uh, between which Mario brother is superior. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the cast picks Mario. Most of the cast picks Luigi. Um, what is your favorite Mario brother and why? favorite Mario brother is Wario a brother or is Wario like a cousin I think he's more of a cousin okay alright he'd be in like the Fast and Furious if that was a movie he'd be like in the family in the <laughs> yeah, familia yeah. but he wouldn't be a brother yeah so like Vin Diesel like Mario's definitely Vin Diesel Wario's probably <laughs> The Rock um, yeah. and they, they've had yeah. their differences on and off screen so mm-hmm. it's not exactly a cozy relationship there's still some contention there but I would probably go with Mario that's that's yeah. it. That's, that's an easy one I think just by virtue of him being you know, I, I got a lot of love and respect for Luigi don't get me wrong <laughs> that dude's got a whole he's got, that fool's got three mansions so I, I, I respect Luigi I just wish that you know the Mario Luigi Superstar Saga like, or the that that RPG series kind of like really put Luigi on the map. I feel like, um, but Mario's Mario Mario's been through it all, and nothing. I feel like nothing phases that dude. So gotta go with yeah. Mario. Yeah, rip Alpha Dream for uh, Mario and Luigi. Ah, but uh, to everyone, like Mario Brother Flora, I know your opinion. I, I think I know your opinion. Do you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> d- g- give me your opinion. It's Luigi, right? I mean, Waluigi is the way to go here. Okay, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Mario Luigi. 
if you have to pick one gun to your head mario well, or luigi luigi yeah i mean he's got like the horror coward game spinoffs like the whole mansion premise like that is way closer to my spirit animal than a, a mario who's like seemingly like foolhardy and like gung-ho the whole way through like i like the guy who's willing to express the anxiety as opposed to the stubborn like i will be brave plumber brendan I feel like it would be a, an assault on my true identity if I didn't say Mario, so I, I will happily say Mario. Nice. Adam? Luigi. He's tall and he can jump, so. <laughs> Damn. Jumps higher than Mario. Facts. Love it. Um, well, Michael, hey, thanks again for being on the show. Brendan, Adam, thank you for being on the show. Um, we're going to jump in and talk about Hi-Fi Rush, developed by Tango Gameworks, published by Bethesda Softworks. Uh, it's on Windows and Xbox Series X and S. Uh, this one actually came out in January on January 25th of this year. Uh, so it's actually the newest game that we've ever played on the podcast with the most amount of guests ever on the podcast. So uh, it's going to be a fun time tonight. Uh, we start with the fast pitch which is a one sentence description of the game that we're about to talk about um who wants to give their one sentence pitch of hi-fi rush let me pull up my uh let me pull up the review from ign <laughs> small <quick>. flex <laughs> you know, little, uh, let me see what the what they said oh snap <laughs> oh nine, Florida, nine, do you want to go first yeah uh, well michael's playing that about i'll go um for me, Hi-Fi Rush is like a delightfully refreshing return to an era of game design that, frankly, in 2023, I'm astonished that exists or was even greenlit at all. Good. Very good. Brendan, Adam, do you want to go? Well, unless, Michael, you're ready. I got it. I got it. Oh, Kay. Michael Hyam. Damn. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> 9 out of 10, amazing. Hi-Fi Rush marches to the beat of its own drum with stunning animation, lovable characters, and stylish rhythmic action that are anything but one note. Love it. I love it. Uh, anyone want to go next and, and take that on? <laughs> I, I, I'll be the sacrificial lamb here. Hi-Fi <laughs> Rush. <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush is Doom Eternal if you actually use the guitar. Whoa. Good. Uh, Good. That's, Rock I, solid. I would go with that. If I was an editor, I'd be like, yeah, use that. <laughs> Brendan? Uh so the so the line that I wrote on the thing that I wrote about this was Tango Gameworks new groove doesn't miss a beat, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say something different for the show. You're gonna get a, an exclusive right now. Uh exclusive B groom bars. All cats <laughs> in a bag of riffs. Good Rocks off. Off the yeah, dome. Yeah, all right, all right. And now I have to go. Um No pressure. What no pressure. Uh what if Shadows of the Damned and Guitaru Man had a baby that was a comic book? Hi-Fi Rush. Ooh. I'm kind of surprised none of us went for like a Sisyphean boulder reference here about like rock and roll as a pun. Is that just me? <laughs> I, uh. I don't know. It's probably for the best that we didn't. What I'd love to know before we jump into the game is like what your history is maybe with rhythm games and with Tango Gameworks other games because uh, that's probably a good way to inform like how you felt about this one. Uh, Adam, did you want to jump in first on that one? So, I know of The Evil Within, of course, but I don't play it because mm -hmm. I don't play scary games um, very often. Rhythm games, again, grew up in that era where all the guitar heroes, all the rock bands, um, you know, during that time, anything that... I know there are other rhythm games, but I don't... Did I put 8,000 hours into those hero guitar band games? 100%. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, I'm good at hitting the button when the thing comes down. <laughs> Do you still own plastic instruments? Uh, I have one that's in a box that hasn't been unpacked in five moves, but it's in there somewhere. 
Have you exposed your kiddo to it? That's the important question. No, he doesn't have any rhythm. <laughs> Poor kid. Not yet, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe later. Not yet. <laughs> uh, Brendan, experience with Tango Gameworks and rhythm games. Uh, I'm also a big baby boy, so uh, no scary games for me. I do own Evil Within, and I probably played it for, I don't know, not a lot of time. Uh, and Ghostwire Tokyo also just... I don't know if that game is actually scary, but it looks scary to me, so no thanks. Um, so, so someone who lives in Salem and repping the... <laughs> listen, listen. Repping the witchcraft with the witch house, yeah. That's different than sitting in my dark yeah. office with, with the lights off and, and scary things coming to say hello. I, I, ain't, I don't know. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm trying to get better about it. Um, but as far as rhythm games go, I mean, I am like... I'm a rhythm game sicko. Like... The traditional stuff when it comes to, like, rock band. I was never really a big Guitar Hero person. I like the more community aspect of rock band just because it's, like, me and my my buddies would always just all get together and play that. I mean, if you audio listeners, I'm sorry, but if you look behind me, you can see there's two rock band guitars in my closet. Ah, The drum set is also in there. I don't think you can see it, though. Um, Is that an Ion drum set or a regular drum set? uh, It is the... What is the Ion one with the the extra things? Yeah. 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 Like cymbals? Yeah, it has wow. like a hi hat and sort of symbols okay, or whatever. Okay, okay. Um, that's dope. Dang, that's that's dope. Yeah, we're 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 rock band singles for sure. But like, I love every type of rhythm game, and I love games that experiment with rhythm as a genre. Because uh, like, 2019 Cadence of Hyrule is one of my favorite games of that year. I also love Crypt of the Necrodancer. I highly recommend those games whenever I can. I absolutely love them. Rhythm Heaven, another absolute banger. I mean, I've been playing rhythm games since they were available to me. Like. Parappa the Rapper is probably yeah. not a good game, <laughs> but I spent a lot of time playing that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I heavily heavily not swear get down with uh uh rhythm games. <laughs> Flora, I saw you nodding really aggressively as you pulled up your Guitar Hero <laughs> guitar as well. I'm having so much fun with this conversation, the little show and tell of our rhythm <laughs> game history because mm-hmm. that's like what I grew up on. Yeah, I have like uh, go to right here for Clone Hero purposes. Uh, my little like. Craigslist found brand new Guitar Hero controller. Hell yeah! Um, I like I grew up playing it. I got rid of my PS2 like wireless one, and then randomly found what seems like the last brand new USB controller for uh, like it's it's great. Um, as far as like other rhythm game exposure, like one of my favorite games of all time is Sayonara Wild Hearts, and I literally oh have a God. tattoo of that game. Um, like I, I I would you know show and tell the leg but that seems a little inconvenient at this point (laughs) um but there's like other things like um i'm so glad cadence of hyrule was brought up i would have forgotten that as an as an example but goodness that was one of my favorite games i think of 2019 when that came out 2019 um yeah yeah. and then like um even some more recent games like metal hellsinger um i had fun with I, i don't think it's like an amazing game or anything but it's just kind of fun Anything that, like, wants to use music as the gimmick for the gameplay and, like, anchor me there with, like, hopefully evolving rhythm mechanics, uh, I'm, I'm there for that. And I also resonate with a lot of the discussion so far about, like, the communal aspect around, like, rock band, like, having your fr- friends, like, physically there with you. Um, and I've even, like, 
this, this sounds almost pretentious, but like I, I did like enter Guitar Hero competitions back in the day, like like in my local area. Yeah. Um, I, I never placed anything notable, so this is not like a moment to brag. It's just a, uh, <laughs> I was good enough within my friend circles that I somehow had the confidence to register at these things. So like rhythm games are deeply embedded in my soul. But then um, to the point about like Tango Gameworks, I, I think the only game I've ever played of theirs is Ghostwire Tokyo, which um, graphically great ray tracing thing for your you know hardware pc uh just incredibly boring world design and and mission structure for me i didn't i didn't click with it at all even though i like thought that it would be obvious like i'm a diehard yakuza fan i thought that exploring downtown japan from a first person perspective (laughs) would be like the way to go and it just even despite all that buy-in i just i got very little out of it so doesn't it have ghost cats too like ghost cats screams floor i'm a cat person like you would think that that would be the additional no i just i i I got nothing out of i finished it it's just eh. it's okay uh michael keeping with the theme of things in your background i noticed that you have what seems to be a guitar in your background i got i got a i got a les paul the paul uh from my favorite guitarist steve Choi, or he inspired me to get this kind of guitar from rx bandits that's my guy but yeah i grew up i grew up around music uh all my life the the only thing that's just as important as games in my life is music so uh, same and, right on. and yeah yeah man hey we got the right that, people for today yeah i know um and so that that's manifested in me loving rhythm games right from the start and rhythm games are that's my comfort food that's like when i when i'm feeling down or uh if i just need to pick me up i got so many rhythm games on deck i reviewed i've i've reviewed a couple of rhythm games too during my time at GameSpot. uh hatsune miku project diva oh, is sweet project diva like Miku and Vocaloid are transformative for me. I love Miku. I love Vocaloid so much. It's opened my that game opened my eyes to a whole world of Japanese music that I wouldn't have known about otherwise. And there's a lot of like incredible artists with stunning music uh, that has been. And I say that in my review is like it's Vocaloid had has given um, a voice to the voiceless, like multi instrumentalists who can't necessarily sing. Well. <laughs> they, they got they got that Miku program on deck to to sing for them, and I love those games so so many such a great compilation of music. Uh, Guitar Hero was huge. Growing I knew, I grew up playing guitar, so playing Guitar Hero was like <laughs> that was a layup for me. <laughs> and uh, Persona Three: Dancing in Moonlight is probably I got that that oh man like whenever uh, whenever I feel down, I play that game and it picks me. That's that's my comfort game. Like at least once every. I, I put in like 50 hours in that game for review, but at least once a year I have a week long where I just, that's all I play. And I just feel great afterwards. That is like the perfect pick me up right there. Um, so yeah, rhythm games mean a lot to me and there's there's some special ones out there. Miku and Persona Dancing in particular, uh, I would say. And um, and like for Tango Gameworks, I feel the same. I reviewed Ghostwire Tokyo when I was at Fanbyte and I f- exactly the same as Flora. Like, this this seems like on paper it's this game feels like it was made for me but something about it didn't click it just didn't um like i saw the seeds of something great the execution just kind of wasn't there um which is i mean that's that's all right that's fine evil within 2 though is i feel like it's underrated or at least overlooked a little bit i think that game is great um but yeah so uh got some shinji mikami is obviously like one of the great one of the great uh, developers of our time, um, obviously with Resident Evil and even and with uh, going into Hi-Fi Rush, he has like a whole history of, of not 
horror games that he's worked yep. on too and that has definitely shown uh with john johannes also being the director of this like a lot of those seeds like kind of came through and it's like oh wow this this is kind of surprising for tango but at the same time it's not so yeah perfect perfect balance for me i love stylish action i love rhythm games boom here's high fire rush <laughs> thank thank the lord <laughs> and and correct me if i'm wrong here shinji mikami was like re4 then did clover god mm-hmm. hand platinum and then went and did tango gameworks right yep yep wild that is such a wild cv yeah and then he and he dipped out he dipped out of tango most recently uh right after the release of hi-fi russians so who knows what that man is up to these days yeah i just want a sequel to beautiful joe i don't think that's too much to ask yeah <laughs> been waiting on uh, it yeah uh quickly for me same thing like i loved rhythm games growing up and you know guitar man poor rap of the rapper if it had a dumb peripheral like donkey konga i i had mm-hmm. four of those because i'm an idiot um four? so i even played <laughs> i had four of them because i i didn't even have four friends that would want to play with me but i had four of them oh <laughs> womp, womp. um and then uh yeah i've not played any of tango gameworks games but obviously like tons of shinji mikami's like background or previous games i've played and to your point like i'm just super excited for what he works on next um important thing before we talk about the game itself um i think it's really important to talk about how this game dropped because it is not common the way it dropped and you know folks might grab this podcast a year or two years from now to to you know listen to it while they're playing hi-fi rush so i'd love to talk briefly about that uh does anyone want to share like how that game was dropped because it was pretty unique Weirdly enough, I didn't follow the, I think, the um, the Xbox sort of event that, like, shadow dropped this game. Um, from my understanding, there was zero marketing, which is why I was hesitant to, like, offer my thoughts on this. Um, it, it came out of nowhere completely and suddenly was, like, an absolute success. Um, but the reason I was even willing to weigh in is because I saw the residual discourse around the launch of the game, which I think is, uh, maybe more interesting than the fact that it shadow dropped in the first place. Um, and like shadow drop in the sense of not like, hopefully like a Hollow Knight Silk song where like there's so much anticipation (laughs) that the shadow drop like pays off, but like who the heck ever even knew this game was being developed sort of shadow dropped. And so a lot of people, um, at least on Twitter, from my perspective, were saying things that were like sort of punditry advice about indie games. And like, this is the example. You have to follow indie games. This is how you launch your game. Just don't do any marketing. Just (laughs) bet on it going viral immediately. And so um, that discourse is actually what characterized my my understanding of the game before I even gave it a chance. Uh, But my understanding is that from the get-go, this game immediately found its audience immediately found success uh and has since gone on to sell like what two million copies in a month or something yeah something two million players i think have played it sure yeah yeah including like game pass and such Mm -hmm. has there been any other big title that like i I know that games marketing is different in in 2023 but like i can't recount another game that to this level that was this big that just decided to drop without any warning yeah i think it's it's weird because you think of triple a uh triple a development there's so much so many resources that go behind it and especially for first parties they want to be very precise and careful with their messaging and they have big budgets behind these things so in a way when i step back and think about you know the actual process of how games are pushed in with that through like through the industry 
it's surprising that kind of Xbox had let this happen to begin with. And of, of, of course, it's, it's being paid off because it's letting the player experiences speak for themselves. <laughs> they don't got to spend no money on that. Listen, I'm out here tweeting up a storm by Hi-Fi Rush. Xbox ain't paying me nothing. <laughs> so it's uh, and that, that that anyone who had a positive experience with Hi-Fi Rush, that's kind of. You know, that, well, that's kind of the definition of you know something going viral, right? Um, but I mean, they they did have the the Xbox Direct. All eyes were on Xbox because they had a pretty down year last year. So when they make a big deal about the showcase that they're having, everyone's kind of looking at them, saying, "All right, well, what do y'all got for this year? Because we've been waiting." And then so when you have all those eyes, the spotlight is on them. That that's like the perfect moment to be like, "Hey, <laughs> by the way, we're dropping a game of the year contender, and it's available now." So there is some. There is. It wasn't just that they pushed this thing out and said, "All right, we, damn, we hope hope this thing takes off." Um, it was kind of like a great convergence of, of many factors that led to that uh, led to the the spotlight being on them in that moment. Uh, so it was just like perfect timing. Like uh, I, it couldn't have the, the pieces couldn't have fallen into a better place uh, for them. So uh, there there's an element of that, and like not everyone necessarily has the luxury to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's uh, and like Xbox. This is a this is an Xbox first party game. This is a AAA game. Um, so uh, if it, I don't I don't think I don't want people to take the lesson away to be like, oh, we got to just do shatter drops. Um, it's just Tango GameWorks has a lot of resources behind them to be able to pull off that sort of thing. Um, but good on but like props to them for pulling for pulling it off in such an amazing fashion so um it's it's cool it's a treat too and i know a lot of editorial staff were like oh my god this thing just shot drop we need someone to review the game immediately <laughs> and you know we have our plans for the weeks uh, ahead so it's hard to shift gears when suddenly this this big name game drops this happens a lot happened a lot over the years at e3 where people will be like and it's available today and review at ed- reviews editors are like Okay, who's got, I don't know, <laughs> 10 hours to spare this week and another five hours to write a review? Like, that's that's tough on editorial staffs, but hey, I'm out here. Um, so uh, it's cool. It's really cool to see something like this uh, happen. I don't think, I don't think we're going to see this kind of thing often, but the fact that it paid off is, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I kind of echo a lot of what, what the two of you just said. It's like, it, this is a super unique scenario where it's, xbox developer direct so everyone's all eyes on xbox it's january so already you know arguably the slowest month of the year and it's in a situation where like this generation of consoles like you know however you want to wherever your opinion lies like the truth is there's not a lot of xbox series xxxs exclusive games and you know i think all of these things kind of worked in the favor of like we're going to have these, I think it was five games or whatever it was, like five updates from five developers, blah, blah, blah. And like they clearly wanted to take a gamble with the marketing for this game being the marketing is this. We're going mm-hmm. to announce this game and release this game. And hopefully with the power of Game Pass, which is another like extremely useful, beneficial tool in this kind of marketing drop here is that not only is the game available right now, but if you're in our ecosystem already, you can play it. You don't have to buy it, quote-unquote buy it, because you already have it. And if the game didn't get super received well right off the bat as it did, they absolutely would have spent money to do other things to, like, kind of pump this game up. You know what I mean? So I I, I think it's less of, like, people – like, the days after 
when Twitter discourse turned into what it turned into, I was like, I got to back away from this because <laughs> this is just not what I need to read. Like every, yeah. every situation is mm-hmm. unique. This is an extremely, extremely unique scenario. I would be shocked if we saw more games do this. I mean, Xbox, Sony, Nintendo have the luxury to do those types of things and takes those chances. I mean, Metroid Prime Remaster was rumored for a long time. They dropped that shadow drop and it shot to the top of the eShop. Michael Hyams like best generation of games ever made. <laughs> yep. Like the, like there's there's a precedent to do that stuff. Metroid's a bad example too cuz it's a well-established IP that, you know, people love that game. It's a remaster. Um I don't know. Yeah. Video games. It's it's worthwhile to say too that on Steam it was only thirty bucks, yeah. which I don't know about yeah. y'all, but I feel like thirty bucks for this game is actually a wild steal because oh, yeah. we would have paid sixty bucks for this in two thousand and seven if that's when it came out. Yeah. If we're talking price point, I also think it's it's worth factoring in the length of the game, which for me was like ten hours or so, and mm-hmm. that felt completely fair. Um, I like it. We are way past an era where like game companies, especially something of the scale of like a Bethesda subsidiary, are willing to give us that bite-sized which, again, 10 hours, bite-sized <laughs> sure, yeah. scare quotes <laughs> experience. Um, I, I got to play this game over like two or three weeks, just like little tiny two, three hour sessions and um, and I, I also got it on some like third-party store or something like Green Man Gaming for like 23 bucks or something, so even less and uh, I was I was so happy with that like I, I do wish we had more of these like mid-range titles mm-hmm. uh, from these from these companies that clearly have that like track record and such um, seeing that talent being like sharpened for the sake of a very well-scoped project I, I think works really really well for something like this I would not have wanted a game that's twice this length uh, with the same mechanics same story same characters um, did you play it on Steam Deck? Is that kind of what I'm reading? Oh, here? no. Weirdly enough, okay. um, I for whatever reason, my Steam Deck's been like dormant for the last month. Um, I played it on full screen TV. It felt great. And um, yeah, nothing more to say about that. Did anyone play it on anything but an Xbox Series X or S? Uh, I, I switched uh, between PC and Xbox Series X. Yeah. Okay, and, and just for clarity, since the follow-up question was about like console, this was on Steam. Um, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Let's just talk about what this game is because we've talked about you know kind of it's a rhythm game, it's an action game. Um, does somebody want to jump in, maybe Adam, and talk about like the core gameplay of this one because I think it's really unique. Yeah, it is an action platformer, you know, three D action platformer that is completely everything is to the beat, or things are better if you go to the beat. Um, you literally jump higher if you jump on beat. You can dash three times if you do it on beat. Um, again, all that adds into uh, the combat as up and gets better as you go along. I think this game has a really interesting like progression where at the beginning it's like, all right, it hooks you, cool. We're doing a rhythm thing. And also, I love another random point about this game I love that it wants you to be good at rhythm games even if you're not good. Because they're like, follow the beat in the world. You can see things or you can listen. Or you can press the button, and then a little thing will pop up on the bottom of the screen. And if that's too much, you don't technically have to go on rhythm. The animations will always be on rhythm. So if you redo it again when the animations go, then we'll boost your score. Like, the game just wants you to be good at the game, even if you're not good at rhythm games, which I think is a a really cool thing. Um, But yeah, it's an action platformer rhythm game that, as you go along, you get a lot more things. You get new moves. Uh, you get like special abilities. You get the parry. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Every game put a parry in it. Uh, that's wonderful. Um, and it, and it culminates and gets bigger and better. And uh, that's what Hot for Rush is. Um, 
it's also worthwhile to note too that there's like some really great accessibility features too if you are not someone who uh, is able to keep up with the rhythm aspects of it so you could really play this like an action game Mm. yeah um the story features uh, food-based characters. Flora, I think you maybe had a question about the, all the character names before we forget here. So, yeah, um, there's a number of characters that are named after food, and um, I sent the pattern of that, but um, in a preparatory discussion we had prior to hitting record here, um, the supposition was made that all of the characters are food-based. <laughs> Is that, no, is, there's is a that lot the of them. Okay, okay, because no. about half of them are food. There's based. some the main like, characters, yeah. like Corsica. I'm like, I've never heard of oh, that food in right. my entire life. Is that really <laughs> a food? Um, <laughs> I don't want to be culturally insensitive, but like chai, I understand. Um, like cinnamon and and peppermint and such, I, I get those. Uh, but there are some more out of out of the box ones that uh, did not strike me as obviously food. So um, it's safe to assume that only a group of them are food-based? Yeah. Well, I have a list if you guys want me to just say the list yeah, of Yeah, I'd yes. love the taxonomy here. Please. So we have chai, of course. Uh-huh. Peppermint. Uh-huh. And I never... Is it macaron? Is that how you say the... Uh, macaron. 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 I don't know if it's supposed to be a macaroon, or maybe I'm just saying that That's word That's like wrong. a European it's a little cookie word, base. so... Yeah, yeah, You're forgiven for... <laughs> um, cinnamon. Um, then we have mimosa, obviously cool drink and then kale those are the ones yeah. that i recognize That's as food okay. specifically so there's like roquefort and like Reca- roxanne like i'm, I'm sure yeah. roxanne's safe to assume isn't also a food but yeah okay although i think corsica is like an is a region so you could then say like your food is like corsican uh. Um, so I'm stretching that's a roquefort is a sheep milk from southern france is it, they're all deep cut so it's all tied together. It's I just be. don't have the cork board of conspiracy theories all attached to each other yet. Um, he plays Kale. He's a 25-year-old uh, man um, chai. who... Chai. chai. Yeah. Did I say Chai? You what did I say? Kale. Kale. God, Kale is the bad guy. Chai, uh, he's got a dream. He wants to be a rock star. He gets to Vandalay Technologies. He's like, hey, I want to get into Project Armstrong that's going to make me, like, give me cybernetic limbs and is going to make me a rock star. Um, his music player, like his iPod, ends up in the operation somehow, and he then, like, gets his cybernetic arm, but then gets his heart is essentially, like, his MP3 player, and you're then called a defect, and you then have to just, like, take down the big regime that is Vandalay Technologies. Is that a fair summation of, of the plot? Mm-hmm. That is precisely... It's a great <laughs> setup, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, the voice acting was fantastic, and I think mm-hmm. it's one of the things that is underrated in this title. I mean, anywhere Roger Craig Smith is, I want to be. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's definitely, like, the one of the many things that stood out to me is that this story, like, this whole setup, the whole uh, Saturday mar- morning cartoon vibe doesn't work unless you have the right voice actors and the voice, right voice direction and the right script to go along with it. So, mm-hmm. And they have like, superstars. Like, Robbie Damon is a consummate professional. That dude mm-hmm. has been in Persona. That uh, he's <laughs> voice is shy. Uh, 
Erica Lindbeck voices Peppermint, and and who's uh, Futaba in Persona Five. So, and she has like a huge uh, resume on that. And the the way they interact between each other is so it feels natural. Uh, like the pace of dialogue, the things that they say to each other all feel natural, and that extends to the rest of the cast too. So even the villains, like Roger Craig Smith, the way that he's kind of like this pompous CEO, and the way he talks to his other employees, it just has this natural bad guy feel who's uh has like this real stuck up vibe it's so so good and in those cutscenes, like the, the way it, it feels like real people talking to each other uh in a way and it, it feels like a really high level production and anim- animated production uh so that that was really impressive i mean they have the resources and, and the right act, voice actors in place but they still pulled it off in a way that very few games can um, and i think that's one of the biggest factors in endearing me and charming me into this game is that there's so the the personalities of these characters are so rich and that comes through in the voice performances i don't know about y'all but i really wanted an anime of this oh yeah yeah like a fool get paw patrol off 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 air let's get hi-fi <laughs> rush the animated series come on now i i will say give me as much Spider-Verse inspired animation as you possibly can, mm-hmm. and I will watch all of it. Yeah, I, I think that actually, um, though I, I'm very sympathetic with what has just been said about the voice acting, I also think that maybe like the writing didn't work for me in some places because of how quippy it was and how like eager to make jokes it was, and like not necessarily like um, elaborate jokes, but more just like almost slapstick jokes sometimes and that's fine like i'm happy this game is silly i'm happy this game is positive and stuff like that that's not a sincere critique um but i didn't find myself attached to any of the characters or their voice performances due to the actual lines they were delivering it was more of just the atmosphere that their quippiness and their relationship the back and forth kind of high energy banter uh was giving me it was more of just like a contextualized sort of character building Mm -hmm. rather than like a sincere let's learn who these characters are sort of thing um again not a real critique i just i didn't immediately have the reaction that it seems like y'all had yeah it's fair to say though that chai is like chai is just a dumb character yeah like a lot of the a lot of the dialogue is just like chai you're so dumb yeah that's i don't know michael if you felt the same way yeah yeah it's yeah that's that's definitely like that's what they were going for, and they did it extremely well. So it, you don't necessarily get like deep character development, or you don't get no. necessarily like, oh my god, like I'm. Like, you don't get like the not to compare it to Persona because it's a completely different game, obviously. But like you don't get those heartwarming, those heartfelt moments where you're like, wow, I really connect with this character. Yeah, it's more like yeah. these are my these are my fun friends who I'm gonna like go out and have a have a night night out with and. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, there are like some really laugh out loud moments. Like for I re- sure. Like I think after the Corsica boss fight or whatever. Yeah. Um, the like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Kale pulls up in a robot and says, "You're you're a dumb kid who just swings a guitar around." And then Chai just like, "Yeah, but I'm really good at it." And yeah. I just like laughed because it's so it's so silly. Like he knows that he's a dumbass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but he like leans into it, and even in the Corsica boss fight where he's like. Oh wow, you're re- you're really learning how to talk someone down. You're trying to like defuse the situation, and then he screws it all up. And everyone over the voice comms like, "Daw, come on, man, you were so close." <laughs> That's um, good. So stuff, yeah. yeah, it's those it's those cartoony moments that mm-hmm. uh, that just it fits it fits the fits the game really well. One thing we haven't mentioned here yet is the licensed soundtrack. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe broadly what I'd love to do is just like talk about the music um, because I think both the licensed and the like original tracks are great. Um, Brendan, did you want to jump in first and, and talk about like how much you loved the music? Yeah, I mean, and I like I'm not one to shy away from like licensed music in a game, especially when it's done right. But like the original soundtrack to this game, in my opinion, was like the the shining star. Like I know some people love like oh Nine Inch Nails first boss fight. I don't know if I'm saying the correct song and or boss fight because I don't care about Nine Inch Nails. I'm sorry, um, but like those things are cool. I'm glad those like hit with people. But just like being in that world and the world reacting to the music that the game like was built for the game is just like that's to me that is like any game that can accomplish that i'm i'm 10 million percent digging that music even more just because that world is also part of that music um really good stuff like i listen to that soundtrack like pretty often Mm -hmm. i don't feel the same way yeah there are like I mentioned in, in the intro, there are two specific tracks that I'm super big fan of, so I hope I'm not taking it away from other people. But the museum level mm. is just Persona 5. Mm. I know, Mike, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I'm not going to say you, anymore. It's you, man. Go ahead. I'm go not going to say anymore. I'll let you talk about it. I just, I it's Persona. And then, but my favorite, my absolute favorite, probably level, boss, music encounter in the game, is... Uh, Wolfgang, what Wolfgang Symposium number five? Ooh. His fifth symphony, yeah. Our fifth symphony, yes, it is. Oh yeah. man, what a my favorite boss in the game, and I love how it's like, hey, how about a classical music, and we're just gonna have a big, you know, fantastic boss fight over this mm-hmm. classical music, and I was like, I mean, that boss fight again, it's classical music, and you're literally fighting in Scrooge McDuck's like pile of gold coins. <laughs> it's and it, that works so well, and I, I adore that stuff. So that's a, a track that I'll point out that I really like. Uh, but again, I don't want to take the other one away from Mike because oh, no, he's no, already no, mentioned no. this. Go ahead. You talk about it. I'm done. I, I mean, you piece. have a Persona 5 tattoo, so like, I <laughs> you think you need it. to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that was that was wild because it's kind of a meme at this point where you hear you hear like acid jazz or jazz fusion, and everyone all automatically thinks, oh my god, I'm getting Persona vibes from it. This level was specifically made as an ode to Persona 5. I know for a fact that really? this was made. Well, actually, well, actually, let me back it up. You're just saying that <laughs> confidently. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. just saying okay. that confidently. It. It. I thought yeah. you had like some insider I, industry listen, knowledge, like you had confirmed this. I'm a, I'm a DM jo- John Johannes right now and be like, is that a Persona 5 reference? I, I, I might. You know what? I might. And I'm going to make a whole, I'm going to do a whole uh, feature piece on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be in someone's DMs talking about how it. that's that's my next feature. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of well. You're invading a museum, which is just like Madarame in Persona Persona Five. You have that that whole sequence where you're on the sca- fighting on the scaffolding, which is reminds me of which is kind of an ode to the opening of Persona Five and the the casino level. And the music itself is it's jazz fusion. So you hear the the Rhodes piano playing in the background. It has like this up tempo, this up. Uh, this up-tempo beat uh, behind it that mm-hmm. feels exactly like you, if I, you take this song and you put it in pers- somewhere in Persona 5, I wouldn't even bat an eye. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I re- remember this song, right? Because it fi- it would fit so well. And it has the the orchestral strings um, uh, to back it up and the funky bass lines and the funky guitar. And then when you get into battle, it evolves to having like distorted guitar. So it's like this punk and jazz fusion mix that fits oh my god it's it's still it's my favorite track in the whole game uh, not just because <laughs> like oh this sounds like something in persona that shoji meguro uh made but it is 
it's one of those things that just it makes me feel good like yeah i'm um, I'm 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 whooping everyone in this arena right now, and I'm doing it to this this incredible song. Like I felt invincible whenever that song played. It's uh, it's it's so good. And it, if it is kind of an ode to Persona Five, Shoji Meguro would be so proud because it is so good. Like uh, that chapter, that's the chapter eight level, and that's when I knew. I put down the controller. I'm like, this is this is this is that game. <laughs> I absolutely echo the enthusiasm you just like expressed about that specific level in particular and that specific music. Um, I also want to maybe give some air to the idea that um, when y'all are referring to the idea that the soundtrack is something that you listen to in your spare time, I've tried putting it on, but I realized I think as I played it, but more so when I put the soundtrack on that like a lot of the songs are either identical tempo or very similar tempo and so it feels like there's very little variation and there's very little time signature changes for those who are into like music theory stuff um the songs are all 4-4 from my understanding and they're all like somewhere around like the 140 150 bpm sort of target and like it's that's fine but like those moments that you're you're speaking about michael i think are like super super um resonant and i i kind of wish there were a few more of those like in terms of like if if persona is the comparison i think one of the reasons that's the comparison is because the dynamism of that music is like Mm -hmm. it it really each individual song has its own identity and i wish that some of the uh hi-fi rush songs had a little more of that and though they do lean on the licensed music element of things like your nine inch nails your black keys and so forth um i if the OST did that a little more often. Uh, I, I think that this would also be for me, like something that I would be putting on in the background while I like read or write or whatever. So yeah, I I, I say I say it in my review too that um, because they have such it has such high highs with the with the music like the Rock Fort uh, boss fight uh, that is a very high high chapter eight yeah. the persona the Ode to Persona is such a high high that a lot of the soundtrack um, is good. Uh, and gets overshadowed in a, in a way that and yeah, and I feel you on that because a lot of the original soundtrack is to serve the gameplay, uh, not yeah, necessarily it, stand out on its own, and that's that's a good thing. But I one thousand percent like agree with you that on, on its own, most of the soundtrack is like, oh, this is good, this is cool, yeah, um, which it is fine. Interfere. Yeah, which is like if it was like fine. a fifteen sixteen time signature or something like I and I had to like yeah, really I'm think like, about the button press like I'd be screwed over it. Like, like no, yeah, well, um, I'm glad it's simple. Here. It does its uh-huh. job, like not getting in your way with difficulty of like adjusting to the new mechanic. But yeah. I I do think that like at least like a three four 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 back and forth would be fun. Um, yeah, maybe, I would love maybe, to see. Yeah, like, maybe Hi Fi Rush Two could start playing around with them things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, are yeah. you saying that you just can't count on eleven four just like that? <laughs> some no, of us no. can't. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, me neither. Um, mentioning some of the other licensed tracks, so we talked about Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> a million by them. Yeah. Lonely Boy by the Black Keys. Yeah. Um, Invaders Must Die by the Prodigy. Uh, Worrying by the Joy Formidable. Uh, the Perfect Drug by Nine Inch Nails, and Honestly by Zwan are just. I think there's nine tracks. Uh, that's most of them there. Um, were there any other? We've talked a little bit about the boss fights. Um, you know, we talked about Roach Four a lot, Roke Four a lot, but um, are there any other boss fights that like you want to highlight here and just talk about specifically? The Corsica fight is is potentially for me one of the best parts of the game, and and that's mm-hmm. I feel like the game in a lot of different ways, not just in gameplay or like boss fights. I feel like it definitely takes some 
interesting swings with how you know chapters end or how boss fights play out or just again even if it's like a cut scene at the end of the chapter i feel like it always kind of kept me on my toes of like oh i gotta like i think it's the end of the course of a fight actually where you like have to you can potentially catch her as they are falling yeah. but you can also miss that like just little weird things like that then i'm like games don't do this anymore like i want to mm-hmm. do this like yeah. make make me do this again in a different game um but that just like not expecting that fight to be like just a duel where you're like yeah you're like everything about that and then that kind of comes into the gameplay a little bit more or actually it might have been throughout her her stage where like there are certain enemies where you have to like co- like parry perfectly their like incoming like special attacks um man oh I'm just like th- like I can just picture all this in my head right now but that boss fight specifically was just a good change of pace like it fit the narrative that was going on with like everyone back at HQ like in the calm sorry whoops uh, you're good <laughs> oh. we're doing uh, so well I know damn <laughs> It's sorry. The story is we started as a PG podcast, so it was like, why stop now? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, anyways, uh, we can edit that on post, maybe. I don't know. I'm sorry. We will. It's fine. (laughs) Don't worry. Um, Yeah, good good boss fight. High point of the game for me. To bring up more about that boss fight, even the way it started, like it started with like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle style like surfing section. As you like get into that boss fight, you like climb through the ceiling in a very comedic moment Mm -hmm. where you land on top of Corsica, and then like the like grate comes and smashes her in the head, and you're just like on the ground with 808 in your face, like not knowing what to do. (laughs) I was laughing out loud during that whole section. So. Mm Besides the way it started, the dual section where the camera angle also changes, like, who put, like, this game was obviously, like, had a lot of work put into it, Uh, you know, they were working on it for at least, I think, four years, someone correct me if I'm wrong here, Uh, but it shows, because there's just so much polish, and, like, it feels like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, there's so many one-off things where... Like they didn't have to do that. The there's yeah. Like here here's here's a goo uh, a goof or a gag that we're going to do in this moment, and I'll remember like very memorable, and they'll never do it again. Um, like like the like catching Korska in the air like after the, after the boss fight. It's like oh, that's like just a one off thing that they did to fit this moment and just put you put you in that moment. And it's like oh yeah, that that's that's goofy. I'm gonna go look up what happens if you if I don't catch her, and it's mm-hmm. goofy in its own way there. Um, but yeah, that was that was another boss fight where that so that was that's actually one one of the other few moments where the original soundtrack really, really like kicked it up a notch where yeah. it's like these rising strings of like this metal orchestra mm. where you, you could see the 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 uh, was it the equalization bars in the background of it going to the beat as well and you're you're doing these parries and dodges and you're having this intense conversation face to face with her it's like they. They built this just this incredible boss fight where I don't even have to do the stylish action anymore. It's like, oh, this is all, this is a rhythm. Now this is a rhythm game, mm-hmm. and I mean, to the, the fact we touched on this before, but the fact that every single movement, every single action sinks to the beat, where it, I'm like tapping my foot, and I'm just like, I'm just kind of sweating, and the, these these orchestral strings and this these distorted guitars are just really putting me in this moment. And I'm just like. Bam, 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 bam! With the with my parries, I'm like, 
I felt like a god. <laughs> oh my god! It's such it, it's such a unique feeling because no other very I don't even know. You can count on probably one hand how many games would do this. Um, so yeah, that cor- that that boss. Like, I still think like they're and the the Rogue Four boss fight. Don't get me wrong, that is an incredible boss fight. Um, kind of with unexpected uh, aspects to that as well. But the Corsica boss fight for me, like I, l- I love rhythm games. So if you make a make a boss fight that's purely like, hey, play this as a rhythm game, sign me up. Like that was that was super cool. I definitely think that there's um, like I, all of the things y'all just said. I agree with. Um, I think that. There's the character, is it Zanzo or Zanzo? It's been a minute. Zanzo, um, yeah, yeah. Zanzo. So, like, this is the character, I believe, that's, like, <laughs> you bankrupt them. You have to, like, defund them. <laughs> yeah. And I just think that as, like, a premise of, like, fighting a boss is really just kind of charming. Um, so, for those who haven't played the game yet, which I, I think we all are giving vibes that you should, um, the actual boss fight itself is that the boss is throwing intensely and increasingly more expensive diversions at you and obstacles at you and so like every time you beat a wave of what their reinforcements are uh it's like okay pull out the next round and then you watch their little funding bar go down instead of like a traditional health bar it's the same thing but like the the guise of it being money uh and this person being just a horrible manager is i think just intrinsically funny as a concept and as a boss fight i think just executed really well and worked for me at least and um another element of combat that i think is worth throwing in here since we talked about some of the dynamism within the boss fights and just generally is um we haven't really introduced the fact that secondary characters so like you have like a party of characters in in the game uh end up being swappable over a couple command like shifting buttons in combat so like um, you have, I, I mentioned Peppermint earlier, you have like a sidekick character who sort of does a lot of communications for you and you have this like 808 robot cat thing that's sort of like a medium for this relationship um, and you can swap in these characters sort of like summoning them I guess for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, uh, to come and do a special move and depending on the enemies and they evolve gradually over the course of the game, um, some will have like a big blue shield around them and you can just shoot them through with little like Peppermint bullets um, There, there's other other characters that come through and you know throw punches or other sorts of special varieties and um i think that one of the reasons the bosses all worked well for me uh in this game and i never felt like i hit a wall or it got stale necessarily was that each boss incrementally like just required me to like be more fluid with swapping all of those things out Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a deal-breaking requirement um i played on easy i don't know about any of you all um but I could just kind of punch my way through the shield if I really wanted to. I, I ended up not doing that because it was more efficient to shoot my way through the shields. But those sorts of things, the game, at least on an easier difficulty, was willing to be forgiving to like a more, like let's say, repetitive play style if I really wanted to do that. Um, and I just thought that that sort of like accommodation to the player process was really interesting um, as far as we're talking about like boss fights and stuff like that. I thought the, the the side characters also added like a fun amount of comedy, even in the um, you have essentially a hangout where yeah. you can upgrade your your chips and you can you know talk to these characters. Uh, you can do a training mode. I felt even having each of those characters with their own style. I mean, we've talked a little bit about Cinnamon, who is like a psychology robot who just like draws on his emotions <laughs> yeah. with a sharpie on his face, um, just like. Per- 
perfection. Uh, so again, I, I love how they add to combat, but also like they add a lot of comedy, even the characters that aren't made for comedy. Like Macaron is like a big, like almost looks like a wrestler, um, but also like the head of R&D. And even though he's not meant to be funny, like when you have a character like Chai who is dumb, talk to someone who's incredibly smart, it, that's just comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's uh, if we're, if we're going to talk about like some of the side characters, I think. Yeah. Like Chai, Chai is fine. Like that template of a character is is cool. But what makes him even cooler is the 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 way he bounces off the people around him. So like the way that because Ch- like Macaron being a big softy who that that dude gets like mad emotional and then reminds me of myself. And then uh, there's like some really warm warm hearted moments where Chai will find like say something that is like kind of insightful, and then Macaron will be like. Oh, Chai, that was really sweet. And it's like, oh, that's my guy. <laughs> um, and it was like, oh, yeah, Chai is a cool dude. Like, everyone else brings the best out in him. And I think that that's, that's an important aspect to, uh, to the game because, um, like, we got so many quippy protagonists or whatever, um, some of some which are okay, some of which are, like, I don't really care for. Uh, so this could have this gone away. I, I could see a version of this game where Chai is just like another one of those. Um, of course, he has his own quirks that, are, that I think are, are cool on their own. But the way Peppermint drives him to be better and the way Peppermint kind of like is constantly like pushing him in a way and uh, how like Cinnamon is insightful in that way. And the way Korska pushes back and lends her own... Um, lends their own expertise on the situation. And so uh, I think that they just gel extremely well, all their different personalities. You could see like the different personality types in here. It's like, okay, we want this kind of character here. We want this kind of character here. Um, but they all just, they make each other better. And so uh, there's like some really high highs with, with uh, some of the moments that they have. And they just, they they all make each other better. And I that's really, really cool to see. I think it's a good time to maybe talk about the end of the game. Spoilers if you haven't played Hi-Fi Rush and you want to jump into it. Um, but I find even the the way the game ended, like it did the very typical, like, we're better together mm-hmm. kind of yeah. ending. But in this game, I was okay with it. I was like, okay, this is exactly what I want from this game. I don't know, Adam, did you kind of feel the same way about the ending? I mean, yeah, we definitely get that power of friendship moment, uh, yes. which is... <laughs> In all the animes, which is good. I liked it a lot. It's like, oh, okay. Chai's got some got some depth and, and some learning here. So I did like that. The moment was really fun. And then it leads into just, you know, that crazy super, like, probably the hardest fight in the game uh, going against Kale. But, yeah, I like those character moments. And, yeah, it gets all like, hey, yeah, we're here with you. We're better together. Like, at that point in the game, um, so the way your, your partners come in is it's like they basically, like, I teleport for three seconds and I leave. Um, but when you're at that point in the game, they're like, well, no, we're literally, we're here, we're physically here with you for this entire, for the rest of this journey. So I was a big fan of that. And yeah, I think the ending, ending really hits, especially cause you've got the, the family dynamic spoilers that Kale is Peppermint's brother. Mm-hmm. So yep. we get to have the family thing, the power of friendship. We're all in this together. Fight the big bad guy at the end. Who's a robot and, uh, everything ends up for the better. So I really, mm-hmm. I really dug the ending of that. Yeah, I feel I like it was the credits. Go ahead. Bro. No, I was just I was just gonna agree and say I feel like the ending is like earned. I feel like those character interactions are earned at the end of the game. And I mean, you get that that beautiful credit sequence at, sequence oh, at the end God. that just like is pure joy yeah. and like almost the payoff for ten hours of playing. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's like I never thought I, I'd shed a tear to a Zwan song. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that, my bad. That, that, yes, that, I'm not the that, only one. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all was gonna get me at some point, man. <laughs> um, that that moment was it was. I I just I just got mad emotional over it because it's like yeah. oh I I love these characters all oh, they're my friends and then they 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 save the day um, and the fact that it leans into like it can do like a lot of a lot of stories work off the same template it's like okay all the characters are gonna band together at the end they're gonna defeat the bad guy um, and everything's gonna be great like you know it's how many stories do that it's the way in which you do it so. Yeah. Uh, the way in which this, like the the uh, the way it built built into that moment, like that that last chapter where they break through the window, they're all jumping together, the smoke clears, and the camera pans, like oh, that's my squad. That's how I felt so empowered by that. Like oh, these are my people. Um, and then the the way in which you go through that level and each character does their thing to help you advance, it's like oh, thank you, you got my back. Um, that. That felt incredible, and the the moment in which <laughs> it switched you to eight oh eight to jump over yes! the, the, those fire the the firewalls or whatever to like save the day and then <laughs> like cap everything off. Oh, th- again, that's another one of those one off moments that the game does. I will always remember that moment. The th- that brief like two minutes I got to control eight oh eight. I will never forget that. That is one of the highest highs. And you yes. never have to do that in any other part of the game. Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, that, that, that was incredibly well. The, the Kale boss fight was, was pretty tough. And it forced you to use the different characters in, and use their different powers. So I, I always like it when games like throw in all these different mechanics and they present you with ways where you have to use them. You have to understand how to use them. Um, so that, 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 that was really cool. And just like, you know... The Corsica and peppermint shippers out there, y'all, y'all are eating good with that ending. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I was, uh, my suspicions were 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 confirmed, and I just, I loved. I was like, oh my god, these two characters, I love so. I love Corsica. I love peppermint. Peppermint is probably my favorite character of the year so far. Um, Dang, oh, lovely. Yeah, I my love my favorite that. new character. Yeah, pe- peppermint, like. A uh, and like her, her mom, her so her mom is is Indian uh, and so like South Asian representation right there, just straight up, like very natural way. It's just like mm-hmm. oh yeah, Peppermint is part or she's she's Indian, like Indian American, or it would seem like you know having Erica Lindbeck voice her as American voice actress. Um, so it's like oh, Peppermint's one of my people. <laughs> it's, uh, it's yeah, it's just really cool. This that that how that all came together because you don't uh, you don't ever interact with Peppermint's mom until uh, till the very end. Mm-hmm. So there's all these small moments at, that just come together in like the last two chapters that like oh my god, all these pieces are falling into place. Wow, I didn't know Hi-Fi Rush had this in it. Um, just an incredible ending on so many fronts. Not just in that incredible, we all banded together and beat the bad guy moment. It's like all the little, all the little things that it reveals to you uh, is like, wow, y'all really did this. Because it's not about the thing with we have not said one time is that this whole game is about like Kale wants to like have an AI control everyone who has these cybernetic enhancements. Yeah. We've not said those words one yeah, time for like, because Hi-Fi Rush is not about that. It's about it's not about the the journey. It's not about the story. It's about the journey that you have with your friends along the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. 
Um, did anyone play this game after they rolled credits? Because I know that it's maybe like a 10-hour game, but there's like significant after-credits content that you can jump into. Show of hands, who did it? Uh, a little bit, not a lot. Okay. I didn't, so I don't know. Brendan, do you maybe want to start and talk about the little bit that you touched? Uh, well, the first thing I did was like I just unlocked a bunch of costumes and uh, yeah. like things. Let, uh-huh. let me dress Let me dress my gang up real quick because we're, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're going back into these levels looking good. Um, so there's that. There's like a – I think there's just a straight-up arcade mode yeah. that you can play through everything yep. and like a, with like uh, stakes there. And then I think there's also a boss rush mode. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's additional stuff outside of those. Those are the things that I kind of played around with a little bit after. I think that's most of it. Then there's like yeah. you can go back into the levels and get all the collectibles, right? And there's, yeah, yeah. those things as well. Yeah, there's, because that's yeah. the other thing that I've, we didn't really touch on is like when you start unlocking more of these party members, obviously you get to use them in, in combat scenarios, but getting them allows you to then reach areas in previous levels that you couldn't access before because you didn't have, you know, Corsica's... Uh, wind, wind ability i don't remember yeah. Yeah. apparently yeah. um stuff like that so uh yeah. it, it kind of gives you just a innate oh i can go back and do things i couldn't do before now yeah there's mm-hmm. there are special doors in each level yeah. uh mm-hmm. that you can go back and hit um and they have you go into them and they're kind of like combat challenges like okay that's cool but if you complete all of them you get uh you get an additional cutscene. That's actually Whoa. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, some of the some of the later challenges are pretty difficult. Like, nah, maybe I wouldn't say in a in a fair challenging way. They're kind of some of them are kind of annoying uh, to do. But if you do complete all those different challenges, if you find the doors throughout the levels, and you can do the chapter select, and it will tell you uh, which chapters have that door and whether or not you found it or uh, found it or not. So you, it's it's pretty easy to discover. But the challenges, the room challenges, are eh, they're kind of. They can get tough, um, but if you do all them, you're treated to something a little extra at the end. Mm. Sounds like a YouTube you a little journey teaser? for me. A little <laughs> teaser for us? Tease oh, us a little yeah, bit, Yeah, it's just like a little uh, post-credit cutscene where you think you're doing something, and then they're like, ha-ha, we tricked you into doing this, and then uh, actually you're not. It's... it's a, it's a, it's It doesn't necessarily lead to anything, like, revelatory, but it is a cute little... Uh, it's a cute little, like, post-credit scene, if you will. Um, we've talked a lot about Hi-Fi Rush, but, like, this game's only 10 hours. I'd love to know from y'all maybe some suggestions if people are like, hey, I love Hi-Fi Rush, and I want to play more games like it. Uh, can you give any suggestions of titles that folks should jump into, like, right after Hi-Fi Rush? Uh, I want to interrupt you because we're going to yeah, get please. off Hi-Fi Rush. We didn't mention it. Jacob, I was waiting for you to do it, and you didn't. I'm very upset with you. You <laughs> didn't mention that one of the bosses in this game her name's Rekka. Oh, she's oh she's yeah, a the wrestler. wrestling boss. There's yeah. a big wrestling lady. Come on, yeah. Jacob. Come on, yeah. Jacob. Big wrestling lady. How did I not do this? Wonderful. I don't know. She's great. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, she yeah. actually has like a, a wrestling title around her waist and everything, and like clearly has different influences from like you know Luchador and yeah, man. She's doing like the I whole Hulk Hogan it. bit. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, what am I doing? Oh, that's a big fan. That's all I had to say. Yeah, hey, that's that's a good call, (laughs) man. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Yeah, that was the equivalent to you also swearing on the show. So we did it. We got three, three out of five. (laughs) Yeah, should I just swear and cough? There, I did it. I did did a swear. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Awesome, Jacob. Your title has been revoked. Yeah, right. It's up to me. I'm carrying (laughs) the remainder of the podcast (laughs) to the credits. Oh, listen. 
I, I want to say one quick more thing about the game before we, we move on. Because um, I don't think the game explains it at all. And it like doesn't need to be this big thing. And I, I didn't take it as a big thing. But I just appreciated like the design choice of this. Like I think the world is very interesting. Has great settings, environments. And the characters are like all like all the main cast are like very cool designs and, and like yeah. just i really vibe with a lot of these character designs but specifically with like chai and peppermint the fact that like a lot of the other characters have these like what cybernetic or whatever they are like enhancements over their body but chai and peppermint chai does not have an arm and peppermint does not have a, a right leg so it's like not enhancements over their skin it's like they they have these body parts that are like not their you know traditional body and i appreciate that because like you don't see that a lot in games where like the person and i don't i don't know if that's what they're going for with those character designs but the fact that like two of the main characters one doesn't have an arm and the other one doesn't have a leg i think is cool to see and, and important for representation so yeah, um, I, I loved the like potential analog of disability representation yeah. in that, especially the main character here, but also like the world and the fact that uh, the the character, though empowered by this seeming disability, is in fact labeled as like a defect yeah. by mm-hmm. the sort of machine and the organization. Um, I think that tension is really interesting and in how that potentially resolves over the course of the story. So I'm so glad you spoke to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and the, and I pre- Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was no, just no. saying, like, I appreciate that, like, the game doesn't overtly say that. Like, it is, yeah, it is there if you want to explore that yourself and like think about that. And for most people, it's probably never going to cross their mind. Cool guy, robot arm. Cool girl, robot leg. Flying and that's, V. And that's fine yeah. too. Like, if that's how you are, cool. But like, also. I just appreciate that it's there without having to yeah. be like, guess what? We have represent. You know what I mean? Like, th- yeah, there's it's not something to moralize. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's sending a message, but without explicitly like bold texting you what the <laughs> message is. Yeah. 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 And like the the overall theme of we this corporation wants to eradicate defects, and you and your crew just be like, no, nah, man, that's not cool. And then just you just fight and like it's it's a very it's <laughs> yeah. very simple. It's just mm-hmm. a very simple thing that anyone can get behind. Um, but if they're, when they use that as a base, it's like, oh wow, yeah, that's that is that is a cool thing that I can definitely definitely get behind. And the the way in which this game paints Vandalay as a corporation in very small ways, when you interact that's with great. the different robots who are working yep. around that uh, around for the company, they speak to so many. It, it's a, it's a parody on it's a parody on like on corporate modern, America, yeah, on modern work culture, and it's funny and it's goofy. It, because we it's relatable because we we all know these things and they say it very plainly and it's really funny to see these robots have like these revelations about like, wow they're really overworking me damn i can't i need to reroute my cpu uh my my <laughs> percentage of my cpu to my to my hands because i can't type code fast enough it's 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 a really funny parody that uses really simple ideas to really send a strong message mm-hmm. to where like it, and again it's not like this uh it's not this overt message like yeah we need to overthrow corporations like which is true uh but the way they do it in goofy small ways is it's like oh wow like that's a that's a nice thing in addition to really build out this world and really make it clear what you're trying to say without overtly saying it mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm so glad you just spoke to all of those things because that was going to be my sort of like last mm-hmm. words, final remark is like how, how funny this game is and how smart this game is and how those things intersect so often. Mm-hmm. Um, like my little like tagline, hello, I'm here on the podcast thing at the beginning was about the pigeons being the source of the little cleaner robots discontent. <laughs> like yep. those those, there's these dinky little robots in this game that you can just beat the crap out of until they die. And, like, why would you do it? Because they plead for help and they run away and stuff. But I was inclined <laughs> to do it every single time. I don't know why. Um, and they say these pitiful, awful things that make you feel horrible. And, and yet, if you're going for as many of these, like, I think the game's currency is, like, gears or whatever. Um, yep these little parts that you get to like upgrade and and add abilities to your character um that sort of stuff got me and there's like there's dumb jokes throughout this game too that are like entirely self-aware of itself as a medium like just to speak to how funny this game is um there's like a a sort of i don't know what to call them they're like almost vending machine slash refrigerator robots that like give you a tutorial after you've learned (laughs) the thing Mm -hmm. um which I never quite understood. Maybe the higher difficulties don't give you the initial tutorial or something. But, like, they'll say things like, um, is that another bracket, all caps, foreign existence, close caps, or, like, whatever, like, <laughs> that I see there. Like, there's just, like, funny little, like, AI things. Um, and, and y'all mentioned, like, focusing all your CPU on things. And um, there was there was one more um, that I had, and it was something like... Um, there's there's a sort of like gender non-conforming robot that falls in love with one of the cleaning robots oh, and they yeah. find each other like lovingly in this like forested area and and the I have the screenshot in front of me now the robot's name is OL-404 and it says oh but our love is forbidden prohibited by our terms of service <laughs> like there's just there's so much stuff like that in this game like you end up like dressed up like a hammerhead shark shot on the stage at some point like this yeah. game it just it's, it's so fu- yeah. It's, it's earnest. So we haven't even funny. talked about the it's emails sweet. either. Like there are emails that like even one or two of those gave me a chuckle. So mm-hmm. like, there was like oh, that man. that detective like in hidden too. Like I, I don't yeah. know if any like I was seeking that. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. The, like, or mini sub story things. Yeah. yeah. I forget what that character's name was. I also do. Yeah, and you can find there's other like like y'all said that you, there's areas of levels you can reach uh, in the post game. Yeah. And there's more to that character when okay. you when you discover those areas. It, it's yeah. there's so many funny goofs and gags. Like it's fun. It's funny and it's very smart. Uh, it's like it, it feels effortless because yeah. it all just flows together. It's so well. Okay, look, we're we're all really excited about Hi-Fi Rush. <laughs> so like, let's give to close out like five recommendations yeah. of. Let's even expand it to like albums or oh. anime or games that you're like if you like hi-fi rush you need to go and do this i can go first because i'm ready i have not played no more heroes but no more heroes is on my pile of shame it is like it is not one of the games that i'm committing to playing this year michael because i know that you've committed to play some games this year i think yes i have um <laughs> but uh but it is a game that i bought on switch and i just need to play so no more heroes is the thing that I'm going to recommend because even though I've not played it, it seems like a thing that could be analogous to Hi-Fi Rush. Mm. Maybe a little bit more like a little bit more not as smart, but still seems like the vibes may be similar. Bayonetta Origins is uh, pretty cool, and I feel like I feel like there's there are a lot of similarities, and not not necessarily in tone, but I think that 
char if you're looking for something charming and endearing in the action space that also kind of uses rhythm elements in it, Bayonetta Origins is really really cool. Switch exclusive, but uh, yeah, and I coming off of Hi-Fi Rush. I was like kind of itching for another action game, which I, I I played Final Fantasy 16, and honestly, there's a lot of there is some, well, it's a stylish action game in the same way that DMC, Bayonetta, and Hi-Fi Rush has like drawn from as well. And you know, when y'all mentioned swapping between the different characters for special abilities, it reminded me like, oh, Clive in Final Fantasy 16 switching between summons for different abilities. Like, yeah, of course, this is stylish action. It's doing this too in a, in a completely different context. Um, so I would either recommend Final Fantasy 16 when it comes out in June. Or Bayonetta Origins, a Switch exclusive that is extremely charming, so adorable, so cute, that'll win your heart over, that still has like a similar element of that action um, that I think you might... It's similar to Hi-Fi Rush. Flora, you're next. Um, for clarity here, you said like we would give five. Did you mean individually oh, five? Oh, individually, one each. Okay. Uh, but if, oh, you, if you have one That's, or two, throw them in. I Guys, I'm not that crazy. Like I promise, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> um, I, I'll bullet point this as much as possible. Um, I feel like an obvious like next step, if you like this game, is check out Unbeatable, which is a game that isn't even out yet. It's like a little rhythm game that has a couple songs attached to it. It has an anime aesthetic, and it's a rhythm game that's very much Guitar Hero-ish. Uh, there's really only two sort of like beat inputs in the game, and the full thing should be coming out soon. Uh, so it's free. So, like that's like there's kind of no excuse if you like rhythm games, if you like this sort of like anime sort of like over the top, everything syncs up sort of thing. Um, also, anime just in general, I feel like FLCL and Bocce the Rock would be two really Ooh. good like just just poke in both of those directions. Um, similar reasons, they're like one is musical focused, one has music integrated so tightly with its very short narrative that I think that both could be enjoyable as like extensions. Um, if you want a video game that does something like mechanically similar, Metal Hellsinger, which I already mentioned, like you literally shoot to the beat in a first person shooter in like hell. And as you rack up a combo of, of like successive shots, the layers of music go from like drum and bass to like rhythm guitar, lead guitar, vocals, harmonies. Um, it stacks up in a way that y'all kind of mentioned like some chorus, like boss fights stack up in a way. Um, and then just like spitballing here, Ratchet and Clank. Uh, I'm a big 3D platformer from like the early 2000s oh, yeah. fan. Mm -hmm. um, like Jack and Daxter is one of my favorite games of all time, but I feel like this is actually closer Good. to a Ratchet and Clank than it is a Jack and Daxter. Um, and so like, if you liked that, and then finally, and I'll shut up, um, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Weirdly, yeah. um, I yeah. know that Jacob knows Scott Pilgrim really well, but I feel like um, idiot protagonist check music check uh, anime video game thing going on that like all integrates together somehow and is like you can't really pull one apart without deraveling everything else. Um, so yeah, that's like fourteen yeah. recommendations. But there you go. Hi-Fi hi, hi Rush was heavily inspired by Scott Pilgrim. I am so sorry to anyone else who <laughs> might have been going for those examples. <laughs> you did five. Well done. Uh, Brendan, do you want to go next? All right. I'll, I'll, this is a disaster. I'm sorry. You, got five. When you said five. I was like racking my brain. I have notebook out. I'm like, okay. Just right, one. Right, right. I went way, way above. One for five of us. Sorry, Brendan. I'm no, enthusiastic. It's, it's totally fine. So here's how I'll break it down and I'll, I'll be quick. So there's layers here. So straight up rhythm game, non-traditional. So like removing like plastic instrument games. I'm going to have to say Rhythm Heaven. 
but that's hard yeah. to play at this point if you don't have a DS or if you don't have a Wii, uh, and those games are probably expensive. So that might be a little tough to play in a legal fashion. So highly recommend. <laughs> those games are like phenomenal rhythm games, and they have so much charm and humor baked into how those games present themselves. So like, if you want like a very unique rhythm experience that is also charming and funny, there you go. Cadence Viral, another game I already brought up, slash Crypt of the Necrodancer. Amazing top-down 2D rhythm-based gameplay. Um, Cadence Viral is a little bit more uh, accessible. You can definitely... There are settings, and I don't know if they've added settings to Crypt of the Necrodancer to like be a little more accessible, but Cadence Viral, you can literally turn it off like you can in, in, in Hi-Fi Rush. So if you're bad at rhythm games, but you like that kind of gameplay... It's a little bit of a different of a game, but it does it a little more accessible. Um, but Cadence of Hyrule, phenomenal. Um, it was also brought up on the show, but this game is so important to me, so I have to bring it up again. Oh. Sayonara Wild Hearts yeah. is a game that like changed my life. Oh. I think that there are very few games that the music <laughs> within them hit me as hard as that game did. Uh, it's a very simple game as far as the gameplay standpoint. So I, I'm firmly believe like pretty much anybody can play that game regardless of your skill level um phenomenal phenomenal game and then another game that's like kind of puts itself in the rhythm heaven category of like hard to play or like not available or easily accessible is that uh pistol whip which is a vr game um it is i play a lot of vr so i i wanted to shout uh a rhythm game out in that space which it basically you're on a on a uh on rails and you are shooting enemies to the music and the nature of the game being a vr experience so you're in that experience like i find myself dancing while i'm playing like i'm dancing with the music and not just like shooting to the music and it's just like it's a full body experience i love pistol whip and the last thing which is not a rhythm game wow you did five i did we went the full field goal here. <laughs> hey. Let's go. No, oh, I did. Oh, I did five. Yeah, sorry. I thought you said I already did five. I was like, no, I don't want to do six. Um, so the last, so happy. the last thing that I'll say is not a rhythm game. But if you want, like, feel good vibes, sort of. Not a, Maybe not every story beat. But you want, like, a good cast of characters that you're going to learn to grow and love and just have a great journey with. You want a good journey. Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yes, sir. That's, I'll just say that. It, like Yakuza Like a Dragon was my first Yakuza game. That cast of characters, Ichiban, oh man, like I just like a much more it's a it's an RPG, it's a long game, it's a lot more character development than Hi Fi Rush is a lot more going on, more story beats. I mean there are rhythm aspects. You can go do karaoke. I'm sure some of the many other mini games in there Hell have yeah. <laughs> have uh rhythm aspects to them. But uh Yakuza Like a Dragon, phenomenal story, phenomenal cast. And I think if you like some of the you know, charm and wittiness to the dialogue and characters here, I think you're gonna love even more of that when it comes to something like Like a Dragon. Oh, Brandon, I Every time I think about Ichiban, I cry. <laughs> Same. I, I I need an excuse to replay. I need an excuse to replay that game. <laughs> and now we have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam, you were last. All right. Give us your recos. Yeah, yeah. The one I got one game and one other thing that's similar. All right. So the game Doom Eternal I mentioned at the beginning, yep. where if you want a game that feels good and like 
has a pace and a rhythm to movement. Doom Eternal, not a rhythm game, but it definitely has a cadence of like, you got to be yeah. moving, you got to do this, you got to use a chainsaw, I got it. It's similar. It's not mm-hmm. a rhythm game specifically, but it does feel similar. And I just played Doom Eternal. That's why I'm thinking about it. It's on my brain. Yeah. Um, but the main thing is, and I can only think of two other things that do this, but it's animation style. So I'm right here looking at uh, an article on Vulture when they talked about when they did Spider-Verse, where Ooh. it animates, you know, on first, it doesn't always animate on the same amount of frames. So sometimes it's one frame, two frames, three frames. Like, that's where you get, like, the jittery, like, things don't look perfectly... It looks like what you assume a comic book would look like, and this game yep. does that very specifically. Um, again, if you've seen Spider-Verse, you know what I'm talking about, but it doesn't animate always on the same frames. It changes it to make it look different. This game does that. And also, you know, whenever that movie comes out, the new Ninja Turtles movie... It also looks yeah. like a similar art style. So watch Spider-Verse because, first of all, it's great. Yes. Maybe watch Ninja Turtles because I like Ninja Turtles. But it's also... It's is that, that the new style. one that Seth Rogen is doing? Yeah, it's is the that Seth the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mutant Mayhem, I believe it's called. So those are two things right now that I can think of that, again, Hi-Fi Rush is the is the exact same art art style. It even has the, like little Kirby dots in the corners sometimes. You'll notice like little dots inside mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, so yeah, if you want something that's like a jittery, cartoony style, Spider-Verse and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I feel well, like hey, that's a plug for cutscenes, a video game movie podcast yeah. right there. Yeah, there yeah. yeah. I'm, hey, I might host another podcast about video game movies and TV that I'll tell you about in a second, uh, but I'll <laughs> tell you about the end of the show first. Uh, hey, thanks all for, for coming on to talk about Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, it's a great game, and folks now have a great list of media that they can go jump into after they played Hi-Fi Rush. Um, so what I'd love to do is, for our three guests, I'd love for you to tell folks where you can be found and what you're working on. I'm going to start first with Adam. Adam, where can you be found? Tell us about the Isle of Misfit Rolls and Respawn Aim Fire. Yep. Isle of Misfit Rolls is a live stream and just a podcast for... It's a D&D campaign where we play... Uh, the bad guys we used to say it's like Suicide Squad if it was good but then James Gunn movie came out so I can't really say that anymore but <laughs> I'll miss the roles play bad guys D&D it's a good time and then Respawn Aim Fire is a gaming podcast where we talk about news but we also have a lot of weird silly segments play games do backlog um, reviews and stuff like that so Respawn Aim Fire and Isle of Misfit Roles are the two things that I do and where can you be found on the internet at Adam Gumby on Twitter is the only place. Don't have Instagram. <laughs> don't have Facebook. Just find me on Twitter. Don't even bother looking for me. I'm not there. Are you on Hive or are you on Blue Sky? Tell I us. do have a Hive. Ooh. Nobody uses that anymore. I, I, yeah, I haven't loaded up in a couple months, but I got it. It's still Adam Gumby, though. It's all there. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Brendan, where can you be found? Uh, I can Tell be... us about Pass Controller as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, that thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just hit 360. Come on now. You You're an Xbox now. We are an Xbox. <laughs> So this past episode, episode 360, was the plan was like, oh yeah, let's just reminisce about the 360. It's a great generation of consoles, a lot of good games, blah blah. blah. We, it no, it was a disaster. We didn't, we barely <laughs> talked about that. It, it went off the rails, which which what happens. But uh, yeah, I I host a weekly show called Past the Controller Podcast. Uh, we talk about everything under the video game sun, nerd culture. Um, you know, we, we stay relevant. We don't try to cover every news beat that's happening because we can't, I mean, you're not coming to us for that. You're going to the other, you know, outlets in the world for those things. So we try to have, you know, honest conversations about the things that we care about. Um, so we can give actual input. Uh, and we have, you know, amazing guests on from time to time. Um, you, you were on Jacob for Kirby. 30th? Yeah, I did the Kirby retrospective. Yeah. 
I forget, 30, 35? I don't remember anymore. Kirby's old. We're all old. I'm old. <laughs> Maybe just me. Um, but yeah, we, no, do we're old. We, we do a weekly show, talk about a bunch of stuff. I, I write stuff. I do other things. You can find all those things at pastthecontroller.io. Uh, you can find me at bgroom. You can find Past the Controller at Past Controller. Love it. Thank you for coming. Oh, and for Michael, me always. where can you be found? Oh, you can find me and all my stuff at Michael P. Hyam on Twitter. And I am now currently a freelance writer, editor, video host. And you can find a lot of my stuff on IGN, GameSpot, Polygon, Ars Technica is where I did my Final Fantasy 16 preview. I also did stuff with Kind of Funny. So I did also did my video preview for Final Fantasy 16 on Kind of Funny. Um, and I got some things still lined up with those sites as well, so pay attention to what I'm doing if you want to keep up with a bunch of games. So, yeah, I'm out here doing it, man. You're at Michael P. Heim on Twitter, right? Yes. What's the P stand for? The P stands for Pino! Let's go! <laughs> there it is. There it is. And uh, for Flora, which you'll intro yourself in a second, but Michael, Brendan, Flora, myself, we're all going to be at PAX East, right? Yes, let's kick what it. What are you doing? Sorry, Adam. What are you all doing at PAX oh. East? Any panels that people <laughs> should look out for? Ooh, uh, I am on Acts of the Blood God panel with the the homies Cat Bailey, news editor IGN, Nadia Oxford, Eric Van Allen from Destructoid. One other person I can't name. I uh, I'm so sorry, I forgot. But yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna do a RPG draft. We're going to try to Frankenstein our our greatest RPG by pulling elements from different games. Uh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. Uh, but I'm also going to be doing some on-the-ground coverage for so, uh, some various sites. So I'm going to be out there. PAX East, baby. Uh, and what day, what uh, what time is, your, is that panel? Do you know? Saturday at 4.30. I think it's 4.30 Eastern. So, uh, yeah. And for Brendan and Flora, you're going to be on the Video Game Trivia panel. Um, that is on Friday at 7.30 in the... Bobcat? Condor. Condor, thank you. In Condor. And you'll be there, sweet. And then uh, we've got another panel about why the GameCube is the best console ever made. Uh, That features uh, Janet Garcia. Mm -hmm. Um, That features, I'm missing more people. Cam Hawkins, Matt Matt Storm, um, Asa Green River, and and I'm missing one more. But uh, you can find that one at 12 o'clock in Dragonfly and on Twitch slash PAX3. Oh, I'm so excited to see y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. My very first PAX. I'm nervous oh. and excited in equal measure, but mostly oh, mostly yeah. in my heart, excited. Mike Toundro, that's the other person. Mike yes. Toundro, I'm so sorry. Hey. Um, Flora, where can you be found on the internet? Uh, you can find my written work at epiloggaming.com. Um, I most recently published a sort of deep dive on Plague Tale Requiem, which is a little long overdue. Um, I feel like I'm about to publish an episode on like a plant dating simulator from Kinder Worlds, which is absurd but delightful. And, uh, you know, other stuff coming in the pipeline. You can find me on Twitter at LudoNarrativeFM and, of course, the Left Behind Game Club Discord. Cool. And uh, you can find me at Jacob McCourt on all major social media platforms. J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. I host another podcast called Cutscenes. It's about video game, movie, and TV. We just finished our season about The Last of Us. Hey, like everyone else, do we did The Last of Us recap show. Uh, but you can find that on all major podcasting platforms. And you can find all things Left Behind Game Club at Left Behind Club on Twitter and Left Behind Game, game and Left Behind Game Club on Instagram. Uh, and we're going to close the show there by saying uh, shout out Mike Ruffalo and that my friends is one less game left behind.